of July falls this year in a summertime in which we are giving our focus to a season of the spiritual practices of listening, as you've just heard. And uh, in the first part of this lesson, uh, I've talked about what happens when we take up the listening practices. First, one of the things that I said is that it's a normalized practice in our heritage. It is something that we experience. We do it. There are practices. And when we do it, we hear. And that's been going on for a long time. Now, one of the things that we hear is a theme. Over the generations that have practiced spiritual listening, a theme emerges and variations on the theme. And it is this, that the divine calls us, when we set aside time to listen, to repair the earth. The divine calls us to repair the world. When we take up the listening practices, when we still and quiet ourselves, we tend to sense the divine call to fix what is broken around us. We tend to experience the interior nudges to heal what has been wounded and to restore what has been spoiled. And that's been happening for a long, long time for those in our tradition who take up these practices. It's been happening for so long that the term tikkun olam isn't even Greek. Uh, that means it's older than 2,000 years, which takes it all the way back to the origins of our tradition, at least 5,000 years. It goes all the way back to the beginning of our tradition. Whenever people make space in their lives for the spiritual practices of listening, what we hear is the divine call to Tikkun Olam, the divine call to be repairers of the world, the divine call to be healers of the world. So this weekend, our nation sets aside some time to reflect upon, to think about, and to celebrate freedom. And that got me thinking. It got me thinking about how freedom bears on this summertime of listening got me thinking about the link between listening and freedom. And there is a link. There is a link between the capacity to hear the interior whispers of the divine life, our capacity to sense those nudges and see the things that we haven't seen and hear the things that we haven't heard. There is a link between the fruit of spiritual listening and interior freedom. You know, in our national life, we enshrine these four critical freedoms that start our Bill of Rights, the freedom to speak and say what we think, the freedom to write and publish what we think, the freedom to gather together, to assemble and work on things together, changes that we want to see implemented in our national life, and the freedom to worship in any form that we want. There are more freedoms in other amendments, but these stand out in historical significance. Now, we, most of us, grew up in a world in which these freedoms were givens. Most of us never had them denied us. It wasn't always so, but we're blessed at this moment in history to be able to take these freedoms for granted. Uh, other nations still don't enjoy them, still are contending for them, these that we have had access to for 200 years. For many, the hunger for these kinds of freedom goes unsatisfied year after year after year. So we'll shoot off fireworks tomorrow, and we will remember that for all the things that have gone wrong in our national life, 
these have gone very, very right. These very precious four freedoms are going right. But as precious as these freedoms are, when we stand back and look at the bigger picture of the human experience, as important as these national freedoms are, they don't contain the wholeness of human freedom. That's because the deepest kinds of human bondage aren't really political. The deepest kinds of human bondage aren't really external. People can live in totalitarian dictatorships and be deeply free. People can live in wide-open democracies and be trapped in deep bondage. In the bigger picture, the arena in which freedom is most deeply won is inside of us. So in a roundabout way, this lesson on spiritual listening, this lesson on intentionally setting aside time and space to practice spiritual listening is a lesson in freedom. Because the default setting of the human condition is bondage. The default setting of the human condition is not a deep and abiding freedom. Because in a very real way, we are all prisoners. We're prisoners of our own bodies and we're prisoners of our own brains. Now, here's what I mean by that. Our bodies work in an optimal way to help us survive and thrive. Our brains work in an optimal way to help us pass our genes on to our offspring. And that has worked out swimmingly for the species because we've gotten really good at surviving and gene passing. But it has not always worked out as swimmingly for the higher stages of human development. Now, I've highlighted in several lessons over the last nine months how habit tends to imprison us. And it's just the way that our brains are wired. We didn't decide this. We just woke up in brains and we just woke up in bodies that are wired for habit. So, for example, if you do a fine motor skill with your left hand or if you're right-handed or left-handed with your right hand, if you do it once, it feels awkward. The second time you do it, it feels slightly less awkward. And by the time you've done it a thousand times, pretty soon you're playing piano left-handed and you're not even thinking about it. That's just the way that our brains work. It's the way that our neurons work. It's the way that our bodies work. And it's wonderful. It's a fabulous skill that we have developed that gives us this mechanism to help, that helps us survive. And it helps us pass on our genes. But it gets a little bit trickier when that same dynamic that applies to using your offhand also kicks in with our thoughts. The same dynamic that applies to using your offhand also ap applies to your emotional responses in the world. So we think a thought according to the circumstances that we experience in the world, or we feel an emotional response to the thoughts that we think about the circumstances that we experience in our world. And when we think that thought or when we feel that feeling the first time, it's new and it's fresh and it requires engagement on our part. The process gets a little bit more familiar the second time we go through that thought process. 
But by the time we've done that a thousand times, we don't even see ourselves thinking those thoughts. We don't see ourselves feeling those feelings. It all happens on autopilot with no effort on our part involved at all, which again works great for the mechanical processes of our bodies. It doesn't always work as well for our thoughts and our emotional responses. And as the years tick by in our lives, we develop a whole series of these thought habits, and they run without our input. input. And as the years tick on by, we develop a whole series of these emotional response patterns, and they run without our input. So a circumstance happens, and our thought habits and our emotion habits carry us to the same place that they carried us the last time and the time before that and the time before that, and they do it without our awareness, and we're blind to this process that runs in the background of our everyday lives, and it has, in effect, enslaved us. It's enslaved our thoughts and enslaved our emotions. The very wiring of our brains steals away our interior freedom. Stupid husband does the same stupid thing that he's done a thousand stupid times and our brains tell us the same story about the stupid thing that the brains told us the last time. We've got the same story that assigns the same meaning and assigns the same response to the stupid thing. Our brains draw the same conclusions about the intentions of the stupid man that we drew the last time when the stupid man did the stupid thing. And our emotional responses goes to the same places it went the last time that the stupid thing happened. And I told the story about the stupid thing that has happened. And the whole thing happens on autopilot without us knowing it. And it's a process that imprisons us. We don't even realize it because those thoughts and those feelings put a limit on what we can experience, where we can go, what we can think, and what we can feel. Those thoughts, though they are limits, feel to us like they are the one and true truth about reality. The one and true truth about the stupid husband or about the child or about the partner or about the neighbor or about the coworker or about the checkbook. We go there without even knowing that we have gone. And when we do, the stupid husband gets imprisoned in the story that we tell ourselves and gets locked in our interpretations and our reactions, and we get imprisoned in the habitual responses that never allow us to go to a different place to bring about different possibilities. Our thoughts imprison us and our emotions imprison us. And the possibility of seeing something new or seeing something different, the possibility of challenging the story that we tell ourselves or finding the third way or a wise way, that doesn't happen because we are not free, because we are imprisoned by our habits. Again, it's not our fault. This is just the brains that we inherited. It's the way the human brain works. So interior habits, they imprison us. They do it in our relationships. They do it in the dreams that we allow ourselves to dream. They do it in the change that we allow ourselves to imagine could actually happen. They do it when we shut down and we don't go places. They do it when we go places every time, always, no matter what. Now, a lot of us carry a certain arrogance about the story that we tell ourselves. 
we believe, it's just instinctive to do it, we believe that the story that we tell ourselves is the one and true truth about the way things are. Which means that when somebody says something different than the story that we tell ourselves, we can't hear it. It means it goes into a category of rejected thought, of non-heeded, non-considered thought. It comes in, it's out there, but our thought says, nope, can't take that one. It goes somewhere else. And we don't think the thoughts that other people think. We don't challenge the one and true truth about the universe that we believe our story tells us. That's what thought habit does to us. That's what emotion habit does to us. What it means is that we're not free. We have thoughts, habits, and feeling habits that kick in when setbacks happen. Some of us have uh, developed stories over time about our setbacks that just that say, I am just incompetent. That's our thought pattern. I'm incompetent with money, or I'm incompetent with technology, or with people, or with writing, or with conflict. And when our story is that I am incompetent, the possibilities that are out there of developing competencies don't happen, which means I am not free. Sometimes we develop despairing thought patterns and despairing emotion patterns. And adversity comes, as adversity always does, but when it does, we've developed a place that we go, the despairing place, the demotivated place, the depressed place. Our stories imprison us and our emotional responses imprison us, which means we're not free. And it's not just one thought habit. It's not just one emotion habit. It's a whole web of them. Thought habit systems that are connected to other thought habit systems and each one linked to the other and the whole network providing a grid of complex interactions and they happen automatically and they happen unseen and we walk around with the illusion that we are free. We celebrate a bill of rights that tells us that we are free. We believe that we have free will and yet we walk around under an illusion because we're not free. We're in fact prisoners of our own brains and prisoners of our own bodies. Which is why the spiritual tradition tells us to set aside time and energy and bandwidth to practice spiritual listening. Because when we practice listening, we weaken the enslaving power of our thought habits. We weaken the enslaving power of our emotion habits. We weaken the enslaving power of the interpretive lens through which we look at the circumstances of our days. That's what the spiritual practices of listening do. So we live in a tradition that has called us to love people selflessly. But our thought habits and our feeling happens often hijack us and we become very reactionary in our relations to other people, oftentimes very selfish. We're not free. Our tr we live in a tradition that has called us to treat people with generosity. But our thought habits and our fear-feeling responses are often reactionary and we retreat people with stinginess. We're called to treat our co-workers with encouragement and support. But our thought habits, our feeling habits often derail us 
and things come out reactionary or harsh or distanced. We are called to tend to our finances carefully and to challenge injustice courageously. But our thought habits and our feeling habits often are reactionary and we find ourselves behaving fearfully or carelessly. And when those Tikkun Olam whispers come to us, our thought and our feeling habits often derail them before they have a chance to be integrated into our days. Before we have a chance to even see them or respond to them, possibilities elude us because seeing eludes us and hearing eludes us because our thought habits don't allow us to think those thoughts and our feeling habits don't allow us to feel those feelings. So habit is a prison and spiritual listening is the release from that prison. When we quiet ourselves, we sense the divine call to kindness and to goodness and to self-sacrifice and to earth repairing. It happens. It really does. But it often happens sight unseen. It often happens sound unheard. Because before those whispers get to our conscious awareness, before those visions awaken inside of us, before those possibilities are opened before us, they get hijacked by habit. They get hijacked by brains that won't allow us to think those thoughts or feel those feelings. So our tradition enjoins us to, and this summer we have set aside time for the spiritual practices of listening. And in so doing, we're focusing on freedom, interior freedom. Now in this lesson, we've been and I will continue to be demystifying the process because really the spiritual practices of listening are nothing new. They're not unreachable. They're not inaccessible. The spiritual practices of listening are not really hard to do at all. It's just hard to sit down and do them. That's what's hard. So really the spiritual practices of listening are working the circle. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about space in our days for the communal practices. We're talking about space in our days to talk about our souls with our spiritual friends and listen carefully for what comes up in those conversations. We're talking about the contemplative practices of setting aside stillness and quietness and time so that we can begin to hear things that we don't hear in the rush of the busyness and the noisiness of our dailiness. We're talking about learning practices because we take those thought ruts in our head that we go to the same place and learning helps us bump out of those and think thoughts that we have not thought before. We're talking about serving practices because when you give yourself in service to someone else, the process that you give goes to a different place in your own experience. If you want to learn something, teach it. If you want to learn something, lead it. If you want to learn something, give it away. So we make space for spiritual reading or spiritual podcast listening or spiritual audiobook listening. We make space for meditation. We make space for quietness and space for solitude, times of silence. We make space for yoga practice. We make space for spiritual friendships. We make space for the self-awareness questions that we've heard we've talked about so much. 
We have an afflictive emotion and we work through instead of just letting it go on and go streaming by and go to the thought habit place that it always goes and the feeling habit place that it always goes. We ask ourselves, what story am I really telling myself? We ask ourselves, what feeling am I having? We're asking ourselves, what is being threatened of my power or of my security or of my esteem and my value? We ask ourselves these things as a practice of listening past the imprisoning habits of thought. We make space at the end of the day to practice examine of consciousness, which is one of Ignatius's practices. We ask the examine questions and we reflect on those moments of our days in which the divine was present and we participated those moments in the day when the divine was present and we failed to participate. No one of those practices is hard to do. What's hard is doing the thing that's not that hard to do. It's hard to fight through the resistance because not only do our thought habits make us think things, they are thought habits that actually have us doing things. And so of the 24 hours we get in a day, most of them are already predetermined and dictated by habit. They're already determined and dictated by the amount of business that we do because this is what our brain tells us a good person should do or we should, we're supposed to do. And so there is resistance to actually doing the practice because we've got shit we've got to get done. And so we don't listen and we don't make space. It's not hard to do any one of these practices. It's hard to sit down and do any one of these practices. Our undisciplined thoughts hijack us. Hijack us. Our untrained emotions dominate us. The listening practices are not hard. They're just hard to do. But there's a lot at stake in whether we listen or don't listen. There's a lot at stake. Nothing less than our deepest and truest and realest freedom. Nothing less than the lives that we want to live. Paul talks about this. Uh, this is a paraphrase from Galatians. It's a, if you read it in the familiar text, you might be more familiar with the words, but this is a rather loose translation. If you want to live freely, he says, if you want to live animated by God's Spirit, don't feed the compulsions. Don't feed the habits. Because there is in each one of us a root, a root that is at odds with the free spirit. But there's also a spirit way of living, and that way is free of compulsion. Now, you know how the compulsion path goes. It's cluttered up with all kinds of mental and emotional garbage. It's a frenzied, joyless grab for happiness. It's all-consuming but never satisfied want. It's loveless, cheap sex. It's trinket gods. It's magic show religion. It's loneliness. It's cutthroat competition in which everyone is a rival and our addictions are out of control. On the habit path, the best that we experience is an ugly parody of community. But there is a better way, a divine way. And on that path, we bear different fruit in our lives. We experience authentic affection for others. We develop compassionate hearts and exuberance 
about life. We walk our days in serenity and we become able to stick with the things that are hard. We're loyal to our people and to our commitments and we don't need to force our way in life. Really, we just find ourselves marshalling and directing our life energies so much more wisely. It really is better this way. Now again, Interior freedom is the deepest kind of freedom. And when we listen and are free, the whispers of the divine call us to work for a better world. They call us, those whispers, to work for external freedoms that are out there in this world that we live in. That really is true. It is Dickon Olam. But our ability to sense that call when it comes our ability to respond to that call when it comes, that is rooted in our own internal freedom. But the interesting thing is these spiritual practices of listening, they address that as well. When we practice spiritual listening, not only do we hear the call to repair the world, we also sense those things inside that heal our own souls and orient our own souls and empower our own souls and develop the capacity for interior peace and well-being that gives us the posture from which we can stand up and take care of those external worlds. The practices of listening awaken us to the divine source that is within each of us. So when we work the circle... We awaken to the interior freedom and that equips us to work for external freedom. So the life that Paul describes there in Galatians, that's a life we want. We want to live our lives as deeply as they can be lived. The spiritual practice of listening helps us get there. We want to be available when those interior impulses come and point us towards selflessness. We want to draw from the gifts that we have to give. We want to find interior peace that can abide when troubles arise. We want that kind of freedom. We want to be less critical of others, less judgmental of other people. We want to find ourselves more accepting of people and able to meet them where they are. We want that because it's freedom. We want to be less afraid than we are. We want to be able to move into areas outside of our comfortable areas and expand our lives into a largeness that we have limited. We want to do things and be able to do things that we could not do because that's freedom. We want to be less uptight or more uptight We want to be less analytical or more analytical. We want to be less stressed about making it happen or more capable to make it happen. We want these things because they emanate from a deep interior freedom. And when we engage the listening practices, when we tend to our spiritual lives like a tended garden, the process bears fruit. And the fruit is freedom. And in particular, freedom from the interior tyranny of habit. So this is the 4th of July weekend. And we celebrate some really important freedoms. 
But when those fireworks go off or when you hear the patriotic song, I encourage you to make the application of that celebration of freedom to the freedoms that happen within, the ongoing struggle within to be free in our souls. Because not only is there a lot riding on it for our own lives, there's a lot riding on what flows through us to the world around us. And you might have noticed our world is in need. And for us to take that place, we need to be free of the prison of habit. So I invite you again to the listening practices, to spiritual reading, and to meditation, and to spiritual friendship. Maybe read a spiritual book this summer. Maybe subscribe to a spiritual podcast. Maybe read an inspiring biography, or spend time on the porch, or spend time looking at the trees, or looking at water. Lord, may we be awakened to the interior freedoms and strengthened for the struggle that is a within and without kind of struggle. Help us to get up when we fall and to support one another in the struggle. May we be people who engage the spiritual practices of listening and may we be people who are free. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you would, please prepare your tithes and offerings. And as you